That was inspiring, isn't it, eh? Everyone challenged. Well, I want to challenge you as well. Why don't you open your Bible with me and look in uh, Luke chapter 10. And I want to speak to you about taking dominion in your metron. And uh, if you don't understand the word metron, it'll become very clear, very simple. And uh, I want to just encourage us to just open up, to begin to let God expand you in what you are doing and what you could possibly do. In, In Luke chapter 10... Jesus had sent out 12 apostles. And now in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, After these things, that's after Jesus had sent out the 12, he sent 70 others also. And he appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place he himself was about to go, saying, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. So pray the Lord of harvest that he will send laborers into the harvest. Jesus had raised up 12 apostles. He sent them out and commissioned them to go out. But the harvest is far more than they could do. There was a work yet to be done. And you notice this, that Jesus' heart was that he himself would visit cities. He wanted to visit every city. He wanted to come into every city, every place. But it needs someone to go ahead and prepare the way. This is how God works. Someone goes ahead on the earth to make way for the king to come. And so it says, he appointed them. That word means literally, he raised up 70 people. We don't even know their names. We raised up, he raised up 70 people. He lifted them to a different level of function, different level of operation. The word appointed means to make something visible that previously was out of sight or hidden. So Jesus took 70 people. We don't know who they are. So they represent God's kings arising. They represent a generation of people rising up. And you notice it says he appointed appointed them or positioned them. So God right now is positioning us in our mentalities, to think differently about what we're called to do. He's positioning us by releasing anointings over our life to operate differently. The church for years has operated under a pastoral teaching anointing. Now God is bringing the prophetic, He's bringing prophets and apostles into the church to lift and raise a generation of ordinary people to lift up and become extraordinary and different. You are one of those people. God is wanting to lift and raise up. Notice the word it says, He sent them out. That word sent is apostello. He apostolically commissioned. Well, we hear the word apostle and we don't really know what it means, you know. You think it might be this, might be that. But actually it was a word quite widely used in those days. And so when you use the word sent... It it referred to something the Roman army would do. They would send a general out on a military mission. And he would go on a mission to conquer territory on behalf of Rome. He was sent out to advance the empire. He was sent out to enter new territories, to subdue opposition, and to incorporate the new territory into the empire, the kingdom of Rome. So when Jesus uses this word, or when this word used, sent them, 
or apostolically release them. Basically, he's sending 70 people out to advance the kingdom of God, to subdue territorial spirit opposition, to draw men and women into the kingdom of God, and to begin to realign that place that there might be great visitations of God and changes in the community. Seventy ordinary people. An amazing thing. Have you thought that God wants you to be an ambassador, a sent person into the community? You see, under a pastoral paradigm, we come to church. Everything is about the house of God. Under apostolic paradigm, it's time to grow up, time to become sons, time to emerge as kings, time to embrace the calling to the community, time to go out into the community, time to begin to bring the life, power, and nature of the kingdom into the community, every part of it. This is a paradigm God is releasing all over the world. Some countries and places, they're well ahead of us. But God is speaking the same to us. Break out of pastoral paradigms, uh, governing. Break out of teaching paradigms. Come into apostolic paradigms where you are a missionary. You are a king. You are an ambassador of heaven going into the community to subdue territorial opposition, to advance the kingdom wherever you are. Fantastic what God is doing. So Paul saw himself that. In Romans 1.1 1, 1, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ, called, extended a personal invitation by a king to function in an office. Called to be an apostle. You are called to be a king in the community. You are called. You have an invitation from heaven to arise up out of your current mentality, current positioning, current level of functioning into a different level of functioning in the community. What a shaking of the church takes place for that to happen. What a change in the thinking for that to happen. Ordinary people rising up, being prings and priests, bringing the life of God. What an amazing thing. It's not new, of course. It happened way back there 2,000 years ago. It's just new to us because we're not used to it. We've been seduced by pastoral teaching paradigms and have forgotten who we are. Kings and priests called to change a nation. I want to have a look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We'll get on to this word metron in just a moment. Look in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. So the Bible tells us you are a unique creation. That means you have unique giftings. You have unique passions. You have unique experiences. You have a unique call of God around your life. You are unique. You are his workmanship, meaning he's working on you. What does that mean? That means right now God is working to upheave your current world. He's working to transition you out of how you think. He's working to lift your thinking to another level so you can operate differently. You are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for a purpose, for good works. You're created to accomplish something. You're created to advance the kingdom of God. And God prepared this before you ever entered into the world. So before anyone even thought about you, God planned for you in the 21st century to accomplish great things for Him. So it's up to us to say yes to the invitation and then allow God to prepare us and identify what we're called to do. I want you to look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 12. And Paul is talking now about what we'll call metron. I'll explain it in just a moment. It's a word that doesn't easily translate from the original, but you'll get it real quick. And Paul is saying we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those others who commend themselves. They measure themselves by one another and compare themselves among themselves. They're not wise. So what he's saying is this. He's saying there's a tendency people have to look at someone else and compare themselves with someone else. Well, I'm doing all right compared to him. I'm doing okay compared to him. So saying it's actually foolish to compare yourself with someone else because someone else is not the measure. Someone else is not what you're called to be. You're not called to be someone else. New Zealanders have a tendency to call, to, to compare with others, and then we want what others have got, and we bring what others have got into our nation, and it doesn't work because it's not what God had for us. It's not wise. God has something for us. So he says, notice this, he said, Now, we will not be, boast beyond measure, but within the limits of of authority which God has appointed to us, a metron which extends or includes you. We're not ex- overextending ourselves. Verse 15, not boasting of things beyond our metron or measure in someone else's labor. Now, let me just stop right there. Paul talks now about having limits. Limits of what? He talks about a measure or a metron of influence. He talks about um, the word metron, we get the meter rule, or one meter. Metron in the Bible is literally something measured out that is yours. So, for example, if you have a piece of land, it is measured out, there are pegs in the ground, it's surveyed out, and that is yours. You own the land, that's your metron. That's the bit measured out to you. You go buy something in a shop, they may measure something out for you, and now you own it. So he talks about here the metron of authority or literally the sphere of influence which God has given to you and me. Every believer is entrusted by God a metron, a measure of dominion, a measure of something God wants you to extend his influence into. It's not, your measure is not mine. Your measure is unique to you. So God has appointed to every believer a metron, a measure of area over which you can have authority, dominion, and you're called to do a number of things. What happens in the church is we measure success by the ministry role or positioning we may have in the church. What God looks at is this. Have you discovered what he has measured or drafted up and set out as your area over which you are to have dominion. That's your responsibility to discover what is it God has given to me and entrusted to me as my realm, my metron, my place. I have dominion as a king. And then once I've discovered that, how then do I walk and operate as a king in it? Those are good questions. Clearly, the metron each of us has is different. That's why you can't compare what you have with someone else because God measured you something different that is unique 
to you, as unique to you as your fingerprints and DNA are. Now, can you imagine every believer in the church beginning to recognize, I am called of God, I am commissioned and sent by Him into the world to advance the kingdom of God in the metron entrusted to me. I am a general, a king in the army of heaven, sent out into the community to have dominion over the metron God has given me. If you measure success then by whether you fulfill God's mandate for you in that metron, you'd then think differently about all of your life. You'd stop looking at anyone else because looking at someone else isn't going to help you a bit. They've got a different metron. They've got a different gift, different flow, different this, different that. Now, we're all aligned the same way. We have the same kingdom. We have the same Father. We have the same values. We have the same life of the Holy Ghost. We have the same mission, but the metron is different. And no one can fill your metron for you. In fact, if they do, they're acting unlawfully and witchcraft enters in and oppressive spirit comes in and you come under demonic power. Think about that. One of the reasons so many people live in oppression and under demonic power is because they've not identified their personal metron, stood up, taken responsibility for it, and ruled like a king in it. So they come to someone else. Can you set me free? Please pray for me so I'll get free. Tell them, well, these are your demons. Have you positioned yourself to be free? Well, it's a problem. One of, the, one of the reasons deliverance has moved into such disrepute is because people keep coming up wanting to get prayer and they won't take, authority, they won't take responsibility for their life. They, they live like a victim. Now, a, a victim, uh, and people can be victimized. In other words, they're treated and they're rendered and powerless and they can't respond. But, but once you're born into the kingdom of God, he, he brings us out of victim land into dominion thinking and now you have to arise up and it doesn't matter what happened in your past you are responsible to get dominion over it and then to advance that dominion beyond you to the lives of others that's operating like a king I can see you thinking I'll give you a moment just to pause and have a bit of a think about it because it'll suddenly stop you looking around you think flip do I even know what I'm called to do or am I, am I minding my own business? Or am I busy in someone else's? Bible says, study to mind your own business. It does. It tells us to do that, doesn't it? Apply yourself diligently about what God called you to do and stop busybodying in someone else's stuff. Think about it. Okay, well, there must be examples of this. Let me just give you. I want to really get it down practical. I don't know whether I'll, I'll try and keep moving to get enough time to do this. Here we go. Look at in Genesis chapter 2. What does it mean then to have dominion over your metron? What would that look like? Well, fortunately, it's spelled out in Genesis 2. I thought they were going to steal it off me this morning. But here it is. They didn't. So here we go. So your metron is something measured to you. It is a measure of influence, a region God has given you responsibility for and spiritual authority over. 
So you have to learn about that. So it's an assignment from God that's unique to you. It's an area God has measured out for you. It's your responsibility to discover your metron and fulfill your assignment. That's your job. And God has called the church to equip you to do it. I won't go there. Just stop. We'll just go into this garden here. <laughs> Let's have a look now. In verse 15. Now the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded him. Now, I won't go into too much of it, but let me just pick up here. The word garden is something enclosed. It is a metron. Adam was given a metron. He was given a measure to do something in, and if he succeeded, his metron would be expanded, and he would eventually have dominion over the whole earth and fulfill the mandate God had given him. To fulfill the mandate God had given him, he needed to actually govern his own metron first. Come on, I know I'm up, I'm on, on to you. I've been, I've been listening to Daddy and he's talking. <laughs> Fortunately, he scheduled me before you, you see. Otherwise, I'd be like you. What am I going to do the next meeting? <laughs> and I was nearly there this morning when they started to go into this area. In Genesis 2, God planted a garden eastward in Eden. He put there the man he'd formed. Notice this, the garden is the enclosure, a metron, a sphere of influence. Eden means pleasure or delight. Now, isn't it interesting that God wants to have pleasure from us? So he places us in something, and it'll give him great pleasure if we do what we're called to do in it, because he made us for his pleasure. He made us to enjoy. He enjoys working with us. So what was Adam called to do? He was called to do two things. He was called to dress it and to keep it. To dress it means to be a husbandman, to serve in that area, to cultivate it so it produces fruit. So we'll try and help you identify your metron in a moment. I'm going to bring it out real clear. There won't be any mistake in time we'll finish this, what your metron is. Once you know what it is, I want you to know what you've got to do in it. I don't have enough time to tell you all about how to do it, but at least you get some things I want to do. See? So he had to be... So notice this. He had a metron, a measure, which he had to cultivate so it produced fruit. Husbandman cultivates. So... How did he cultivate the garden? Well, he had to be personally present and engaged in the garden. So whatever your metron is, you must be personally present and engaged in it. You can't do it by remote. Secondly, you have to have a vision and a plan for its cultivation and development. Notice here, there's one on the wall. Thirdly, you must work or labor to cultivate what's in your metron so it produces fruit. That's what Jesus said. If you might have fruit, but honor God. And then you can enjoy the fruit you get. So if you think, for example, your finances are a part of your metron. Your finances are part of you, 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 the metron God has given you. So you are called to be present in your finances and engaged in managing them properly. To 
work with your finances so that you're productive with your finances according to the principles of God. And then to eat the fruit of cultivating your finances. Quite simple, isn't it? You notice with God, nothing's very, very great. It's just sort of very quite simple. Now, notice he had to do something else. He had to dress it or cultivate it so it became fruit-bearing. And secondly, he had to keep it. That word keep means to be a watchman or to be a hedge about it, to be on the guard or on the alert. Now, this is before the fall, fall of man. So God has given him a metron of responsibility, and he said, I want you to cultivate it, make it fruit-bearing. And he gave the, the mandate, which we now are called to pick up again. But he also said, you need to keep it. You need to be alert and al- uh, uh, over this thing. Why is that? Because there's something hostile present. No reason to be a watchman unless you've got to watch over something, because there's a risk. He said, there's a risk factor here. There's someone who is hostile to you being here. There's someone hostile to your metron. There's someone hostile to what I've entrusted to you. That person who's hostile to you is extremely jealous over you. Why? Because that's what he wanted. And now you've got it. And so he's hostile. So he's saying you have an enemy which is hostile. Now you understand why God gave Adam the mandate, subdue. What did he have to subdue if there was no sin? He had to subdue spiritual powers which were present there within the atmosphere, resident, wanting to conquer and take over his metron and bring it under an evil dark kingdom. So whatever your metron is, there are two things you have to do. One is identify it and begin to cultivate it. Two, subdue and have dominion over any spiritual present that is the uh, uh, evil that's present there. Think about that. So that means you need to be aware what spiritual influences are affecting your garden. What uh, I, demonic activity is there, you need to identify it and confront it. So you have authority to do that. You don't have dominion over people. You do have dominion over demons. You command demons. You serve people. So you have to confront whatever spiritual influences are present that would disrupt your metron. You have to exercise a governing authority as a representative of the king of kings. If he's the king of kings, he is a king over kings who exercise dominion. Where do you exercise dominion? Over the spiritual activity which is contrary to God's kingdom. I can never understand why people don't understand or get scared off with deliverance. How could you possibly subdue the enemy if you don't understand him and know your authority to deal with him or even how he operates? The church closes its eye to the reality of evil spirit powers that seek and have already infiltrated the metrons of so many to destroy the fruit and the harvest. Think about it. Just think about it. So we're called to overcome all spiritual resistance in our metron, and then when we've cleared the year, 
cultivate the thing so it produces fruit. How about that? So that would raise the question then, what is your metron? What is the metron God has given you? Let me throw you a few things out to think about. Remember, no one can do this job for you. So therefore, as I list these things, you will notice every one of them is unique to you, and every one of them only you can rule over the spirit powers and cultivate fruit in it. And as you develop your metron, God increases your metron, your sphere of influence. So here it is. Number one, your personal life, your, your thoughts. You need, to have, you need to subdue your thoughts and bring them under the Word of God. And if demons attack your mind or rule through strongholds, it's your responsibility to get sorted out. Your emotions. See, these are all part of your personal life. Your attitudes. Your body. That's part of your metron. You only got one. It's yours. If you mess it up, you're gone. Come on, think about it. You're responsible for your physical health. You're responsible for your temple. No one could look after it for you. You have to look after it. Why do you need to look after it? Because it, you honor God and give glory to God through expressing His life through your body. That's just only one area. You notice that? No one can look after your body for you. Doctors can only repair the damage you did by neglect. There's the second thing is uh, your, your, your relationships. Your relationships are a, a garden that God wants you to cultivate and subdue spiritual powers in the relationship. Many of the conflicts that come in relationship can be due to poor skills, misunderstandings, but a lot of it is driven by demonic pressure that seeks to fragment and divide. So the relationships God has given you, are divine, they're a part of a metron that, is, that God entrusts to you to help you go forward in your life. Think about that. So your parents are called to help you go forward in your life. So they're, it's important, they're an important part of the metron God has given you to cultivate right relationship with them. Your family, likewise. And then God brings other significant people into your life, and they are part of the metron God has given you. You have to cultivate the relationships and fight against any demonic destruction in them. Why? Because that's part of you going forward and advancing as a king. You think about a relationship with your pastor. If anything gets in that relationship between you and your pastor, you get cut off from a flow of life, and then you find your garden starts to wither. You're responsible to God. Well, you don't know what he did to me. No, I don't. I don't really care too much either. It's not my garden. It's yours. You've got to sort that one out. And you better find out what God wants you to do and then do what God says. But you don't understand. He did. I'm not worried about that. What God says is, can you do good? Can you bless? Can you give? Can you rise above and be like your father and represent him well? You get any idea now? Because you were hoping I'd do some great grand thing out in the world, but it gets far too close for this. You've got to get right down first. Your first place of your metron is your personal life. Think about this. Your finances. I've already mentioned your finances are part of your metron. What you do with your finances. Now, finances, everyone's got money. The difference is what people do with it. How they manage their metron. 
I don't have much. Well, we've got a, a lady in our church we, we helped out, and when she came to us, she was a mess. Everyone, no one wanted to deal with her, but now she's got her life really going well. And here she is, single parent, and she gives out and helps other single parents, gives, helps their kids get to camps. And she's governed her metron, produced fruit, and is in a position to help others. Maybe she hasn't got a lot to give, but you know, I look and I say, with what Metron she's got, she's very fruitful, very productive, very productive. And she managed her heart and attitudes right. And she's one of the best ones I got to talk to people who are like that, from that same background, because she just sees straight through their nonsense and shuts down the victim speak, says, what nonsense, just do this and this and this, do what God says to do. Anyway, finance is one. Here's another one. Your children are part of your metron. While they're young and growing, they are your metron. You are responsible for them. So what's going on in that, that metron? What is going on in that garden? You can't, you, can't, you can't govern that metron and make it productive unless you connect with them and know what's happening. Unless you subdue the demonic powers that come against them, even recognizing spiritual influence. Sometimes kids, just, they come under stuff, influences of their friends, they know what it is. You've got to know that and step up against it. Your, your home and your property. Now, everyone's got a place they live. Everyone's got a place they live. You may not own it, but it's still where you live. So what does it look like if someone drives by? Is it a place? Whoa! That stands out. Not because it's expensive. But you notice it's maintained well and it looks good. The lawns are done. Everything's clean. Everything, it looks nice when you go there. I come in here. It looks beautiful when I come in here. It's been maintained. It's a garden well maintained. Think about it. Govern. So it produces fruit. What about your workplace? What about your workplace? Think about that. Your workplace is the place God called you to rule as a king. It's a metron God's given you to govern. You need to go in there and learn how to subdue spiritual powers in that place and then engage the people in such a way that you extend the influence of God's kingdom. I was with one guy and he was telling me, he said, oh, I'm leaving my workplace. I said, oh, that's unusual. Why? He said, well, I don't like the atmosphere there. It's a very bad place to work in. I'm swearing and all the stuff that goes on. Is that right? So are there any other Christians there? He said, no, I'm the only one. I said, wait, stop, stop, stop. So get this right. You are in this place, in this workplace. You're the only Christian and you're about to withdraw. He said, that's correct. I said, did God get you the job? He said, yes. So you are withdrawing because you're defeated by the spiritual atmosphere and the attitudes, behaviors of people in that place. You are called to change it. How do I do that? Oh, I say, I'm glad you asked. You're in the right place now. You're asking better questions now. Let's go down Saturday morning. So we went down Saturday morning, went right through the place. We stood in prayer, prayed in tongues, prayed over the machinery, stood against the spirits that had entered the workplace, stood against disunity, division, strife, stood against cursing, stood against spirits which were resident in the atmosphere affecting everyone working there, stood against the things God showed us, invited the Holy Spirit to come in, produce peace in that place. Then he came up to me the following Sunday. I said, how'd it go? He said, oh, we've had the best week we've ever had. It was so quiet and calm and peaceful and we got work done and things are happening there. I said, right, because kings are arising. You're doing what you need to do. You need to have a good attitude to the people who are there and work there to make a difference. 
But one guy in the church, and he went to uh, a seminar, learned how to pray for the sick. Well, he got so excited. So down in his workplace, all the machinery going on, this guy's walking to him. He's obviously got a lot of pain in his back. He said, hey, 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 hey. He said, what's wrong? He said, oh, man, my back's really, I'm in pain. I really got a major pain. He said, okay, I've got the answer. Either I pray for you now, or I bring you to church and we pray for you on Sunday. Which would it be? Quite good to limit the options, isn't it, really? All other options, like, hey, why don't you get out of my face? You know, that wasn't even there. <laughs> so what he did was, he said, well, okay, pray for me now. So he prayed for him, prayed for him a couple of times, and the guy's back straight up, he was free. Everyone's working their machines watching. He, ah, I'm healed, I'm better. And then he got led to the Lord. He turned up in church then and see, producing fruit in the workplace. So the two of them said, now we've got two of us. We can pray. Let's see if we can have a prayer meeting here. So they started to pray. They went to the boss and said, can we now have a room to pray in? We want to pray for you. We want to pray for the workplace. We want to pray for our work, peace in the workplace. Then we'll get contracts. The boss said, oh, that's a great idea. The union had been trying to get a room for years. They never got a room. Smart boss. But the prayers did. So they're praying in that place for God to move in all of the staff and to touch the business. Yeah, that's starting to fill your metron. Your neighborhood. Your neighborhood is a place. Your neighborhood, your metron. Why is it, why is it your metron? Because you live there. You live there. So your neighborhood. So you need to begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to clean out the influences that are around there. Prayer walk around the place. Squirt some oil around just as you go. Just anoint everything with oil. Claim it for the Lord. <laughs> Take a water pistol, load it up with oil. Anoint the oil. Go along. Oh, man, you've just got to be creative, that's all. Come up with some ideas and stuff. Then you have to engage, connect, talk, meet people, help people. You've got to be practical. See? Your, your ministry giftings. Your ministry giftings are part of the metron God's given you. You're responsible for them. What must you do? Well, you need to do the training, get the education, get the skills, get the help, get the input. Well, no one help me. Well, go ask someone. Find someone who's good. Go for, take responsibility to govern your metron and produce fruit in it. If you've got a musical gift, go get some lessons. Well, I haven't got any money. Well, go work and get some money and then get the lessons. But you don't Stop being so negative. If you are willing, I, I read something recently, if the intent is clear, a way will draw near. If you are convinced in your heart and committed to do it, something will happen. It will enable you to do it. Have dominion. And so here's this. You're going to love this one. Here's this one. Actually, your metron is wherever you are. How about that? Why? Because you're a king representing heaven, calling heaven to earth. So wherever you are is your metron. So you walk into a restaurant. All of a shut up. I don't take dominion right now. Every country swear And a release the power of God in this place. I have a hamburger, thanks. You know. No, it's not like a dog. I can hear some of you thinking like that. <laughs> or a cat spraying out their territory, you know. 
but they're smarter than us because they spray their territory, send a message out to other cats, don't come here. And we should be doing something like that, praying in tongues, sending a message out to demons, it's my territory, don't come here. While I'm here, this is my period. <laughs> and then, then you have to engage people, connect with people, talk with people, interact with people, serve people. And as you do that, you find entrance to their heart. They get surprised. How come you did that? How come you treated me like that? That's so unusual. And you have a room into their heart. So there's a, there's a dominion you take at a spirit level, and then there's a serving you undertake at a practical level. And what it does is it enables you to, you actually are able to enter your metron and begin to shift the spiritual atmosphere and begin to engage people. Because once you shift the atmosphere, you can engage the people. The spiritual atmosphere keeps them divided. If you don't subdue, you notice all battles, you've got to win them in the air before you win them on the ground. And uh, I, I remember some time ago, I was just talking to all we were having some marriage difficulties in the church in one area, just a number of things. And, you know, people do courses and they never seem to change. You know, they're all right, all right for two or three weeks. They go back again, they're doing the same old stuff. I said, what on earth is this about, Lord? And the Lord spoke to me, he said, this is, this is what this is about. He said, the course is showing them what to do to build a better relationship. The spirit world is keeping them locked into past patterns. If you want to get the change that lasts, you have to address it in the realm of the spirit as well as at the practical realm. Or you may get the behavior conforming, but the heart won't be involved. So he said, teach people to stand up and pray, stand strong in the spirit, exercise governing authority in the spirit realm. So a husband is the head of the, of the wife or the head of the house, needs to stand up. And the spirit world will recognize your dominion. If you are a husband... Your wife may be a much greater prayer than you, but nevertheless God has put something on you that if you will stand up, something in the spirit world will shift. I remember I tell him one guy this, I sent him home to pray. And he said, I said a week later, I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, terrible, I gave it up. He said, what? He said, no, no, I gave it up, it doesn't work. I said, now, what do you mean it doesn't work? And he said, well, when I began to stand up and I began to pray in the spirit against all witchcraft coming against our marriage and family, we've had the worst rows we've had ever. <laughs> and I said, isn't that a coincidence? Could it be you were trading to keep the peace and allowing the demons to be resident and to control your marriage? So why don't you recognize that starting to pray all it did was cause the demons that controlled and manipulate your marriage to manifest themselves more visibly through you. Now you, start, you realize you are provoking them. You've declared war. They're just fighting back. And what they want to know is whether you'll quit or not. And most demons know that Christians quit pretty quickly. A little bit of heat, a little bit of pressure. The kings have no longer any dominion. They go back and become servants, servants of the demonic power, while all the time, well, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Lord, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard, I, I don't know whether I married the right person. I think I got it all wrong. Rather than actually 
When you stand up and declare war, you will have a fight. There will be a bit of blood, probably a fair bit of yours. I don't, you know, look those, we, look, we love King David. But you know, these guys went down there, they had a sword in a hand and a shield on the other, and they went down and they got eyeball to eyeball, and that sword went in and blood squished. It's messy fighting those kind of battles. So to engage demons, you have to arise in your spirit, man. Speak the word of God from your spirit. Oh, something will shake up all right. It'll stir up. You'll have some rows and issues come up to the surface. All that tells you is this. I knew I was right. There was a demon there. Now he's done. I'm upsetting him. Well, have a bit more. Give him the steel. They don't like the steel. That's what the guy in Dad's army said. They don't like the steel up. They don't like the steel. You know. So when you begin to take dominion like that, what happens is the cover that's been over everything comes off. You start to see what is really there. Then you go through and face the process of healing, restoration, repentance, confession, acknowledgement of irresponsibility and lack, and you begin to reconnect at a different level and begin to learn how to walk differently. That's how you do it. Having dominion as a king. It starts over your own life. Then you begin to engage the spirit world. You begin to start to declare, as it is in heaven, that's how it is on earth. When you start to do that, something will shake. It will shake. I tell you, it will shake. Things will manifest. And when they manifest, this is great. We're getting some action. See, what happens is Christians want peace. But you know, Jehu had a different spirit on him. He, had this, he was a king anointed to deal with witchcraft that controlled and manipulated people's lives and sat over a whole nation. And isn't that so like our nation where the spirit sits there and pushes down and people are flat and heavy and depressed and apathetic and they have to spear around their lives. And where are the Jehus? Jehu was anointed by the Holy Ghost. And he went out and his enemies saw him and they said, now get this, they said, who is that man out there driving the chariot? They said, it's, it's Jehu. Look at the furious driving. He drove like a reckless man. He drove with intent and purpose. They sent a message out. You know what the message was? Is it peace? Can we talk about this? I mean, we're all Christians together. And his reply, what peace? Repent, get behind me, follow me. They sent out another messenger. Is it peace? 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 What have you to do with peace? Get around behind me. I'm on a mission from God. One of the Blues Brothers. On a mission from God. <laughs> then finally the king. Now you think the king would not think after he'd sent two guys and they joined the opposition. You think he wouldn't send himself out, would you? He goes out there. Is it peace? Is it peace? He said, what peace? So long as these witchcrafts are operating. 
He said, oh, he means business. Let's get out of here quick. Jehu drew back his bow full strength and shot him right through the heart. Then he did the next king the same way. First king's name meant pride. One who was lifted up, exalted up with vanity. He just killed him like that. Pride has got to go if you're going to be a king in the kingdom of God. Second one is the one who takes away fear, takes away the good things that God gave him. He nailed him too. You see, wherever you look in the Bible, you find the presence of spiritual powers manipulated and control what was on the earth. And it always took someone anointed as a king to arise, contend with those things, and then bring change in the earth. And you're called for such a purpose. This is your hour. You're called for such a purpose. Here's a couple of questions. Do you recognize your metron now? As you think about it, have you been engaging your metron and cultivating it to bring forth fruit? And thirdly, are there spiritual powers present which maybe you can't see, but they are producing a fruit there that is visible? What will you do about it? You're the king, and it's your domain. Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you, Lord. You're opening our eyes to spiritual realities and the influence they have within our nation, our communities, our personal lives and families. Father, cause a fresh anointing to come upon your people as we rise up inside and repent of neglect. Repent of abandoning our metrons. Begin to arise up and embrace the metrons you've called us to in our personal life, in our marriage, our family, our finances, our community. And begin as kings to declare war on spirit powers and to engage people with the heart of a servant bringing the kingdom of God to bear. Lord, Touch us afresh. Just while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed. This message has spoken to my heart more than you probably. Even as I'm preaching, I'm feeling the pressure of the Spirit of God. Change. Change. Rise up. Rise up. I wonder today if God spoke to you and you have perhaps spent more time comparing your Metron to someone else's and feeling resentful or envious or whatever of what someone else has, instead of getting your eyes off them and saying, God, what have you entrusted to me? You'd need to repent of that today. I mentioned a whole number of areas of your metron, your personal life, your thought life, your emotions, your attitudes, your physical body, your finances, your marriage, your family, your house or property, what you possess, your neighborhood, your workplace ministry area you have in church wherever you are see if you have neglected that metron and you see it's great to talk about when kings walk the earth but when you walk out this door will you enter your metron and be a king or will you continue to be subject to the powers that are in there because you drew back from responsibility and you literally become a victim disempowered within that place But if God has been speaking to you today, 
the first place of change is called repentance you say God I'm so sorry I really have been acting like a victim I really have neglected to cultivate the garden you've given me I've really failed to govern and have dominion over that garden just like Adam I didn't speak up when I should have spoken up and the devil has come in and I'm reaping the consequences this is time for repentance time within our heart to say God I'm so sorry forgive me I haven't been thinking clear at all but today I can see it clearly and today I turn to you because you're a loving forgiving God and today's a new day for me new day for us and today I repent I repent of not fulfilling my responsibility I repent of disengaging I repent of leaving it to someone else I repent of acting childish. And today, Lord, as I repent, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. And I stand up and assume responsibility for that metron to begin to govern it in prayer, listen for your directions, and begin to map out how I can cultivate this garden and cause it to bring honor to you. I wonder today if God has been speaking to you in that way. And in your heart you've just truly repented. And in your heart you've made a decision to assume responsibility you neglected. To stand up as a king. I would like you just to stand to your feet right now. It's between you and God. You don't need to come forward. It's just standing saying, God... I've been sitting down for a long time. I've been sitting down and I have not been governing my metron. I haven't been producing fruit in it. I don't know what, I've been in a dream. Now I'm snapped out of the dream. And I mean business. I'm going to operate like a king. I'm going to operate listening to your voice, taking responsibility every day, praying into that metron every day, holding the word of God over my metron every day beginning to do something practical that would sow into that metron if that is you please stand just stand say when kings walk the earth it really comes down right now to this practical point of you assuming responsibility and trusting God to help you can you follow me in a simple prayer father today I thank you for opening my eyes I thank you for forgiving me. I receive that forgiveness. And I embrace my calling as a son of the living God, as a king on the earth, to assume responsibility for my metron, to cultivate it so it produces fruit, to work with you, Lord, to bring a harvest and to stand in the spirit and subdue my enemies and I thank you Lord for this new day today a new day for me a new day for my marriage 
new day for my family a new day for this church Amen come on let's give the Lord a clap let's honor him today I hear the shout of kings I hear the shout of kings arising I hear something rising up in our spirit kings are about to go to war kings are arising